Everybody, welcome to another episode of Stand Down, coming out at whatever pace is comfortable for this modern world. I'm Daniel Reskin, uh, ex-former and current comedian, extraordinaire, and failure. Great episode today, someone who I met in the Denver comedy scene five, six years ago, and he has been around the Denver scene much longer than that. He is a mainstay. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. What's his story? What's his deal? So let's find out. <laughs> let's see what the story is for Dick Black. Already been an intro recorded, so we're already here. Welcome, Dick Black. <laughs> Hello, what's going on, Dan? Just, just happy to have you here on the pod. Uh, I've known you ever since I moved to Denver about five, six years ago. And I know you've been in the scene longer than that. Mm -hmm. um, give me a little overview of, of uh, your comedy status, I suppose. You know, how you feel about stand-up right now and uh, how long you've been doing it in Denver and in general. I've been doing comedy for 20 years. It'll be 20 years December. Mm. Uh, Congrats on that round number. Yes, nice, nice and round. Um, comedy right now, I'm writing, but I'm definitely just kind of being cautious about what to do next because it's so uncertain. But you know, what what do you do? You know, where where do you go? Where do you start? I mean, the scene's so clicky that, and I'm not in any clicks. So how do I, you know? get on any shows or how do I show that I'm still relevant? I don't know how to do any of that. So, or I don't want to say I don't know how to do it. I really haven't entertained the possibility of seeing what it would take to get back on these mics. I kind of want to get in a place where it's back to being normal again, to where I can just pop in wherever I want and then just try to go from there. But realistically, it's one of the biggest reasons why I kind of took a break from comedy was that huge fight that happened like, two years ago, I want to say it started in 2018. Mm. Um, it was the, the Emily's against everybody else. I want to say it was, I want to say it was the Emily's and Nina against everybody else. Right. It seemed like, and I felt like I was in the middle of that because I'm cool with everybody as well as the Emily's. Um, Mina, she doesn't care about me. So, I mean, that is what it is, but I just felt like it wasn't my place to kind of choose sides. I'm here to do comedy. I'm not here to, to fight battles or pick sides. I'm here to, to entertain the, the masses. So right. uh, that made me kind of withdraw a little bit because I just didn't know where it was, which direction it was going. Mm. So. Interesting. You touched on a, a couple things there that, that uh, we could dig into individually. Um, yeah. Just to, to hit on it. Yeah. The, the, the Emily battle, I guess I'm going to have to f think of a better name for it. The, the saga of the Emilies or something um, yeah. is, is something that's been barely touched on in the podcast, but mentioned here and there. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we'll dig into it a little bit uh, more later, but let's focus more first on your comedy journey specifically. Um, and you also touched on clickiness, which is a huge thing a lot of people mention too, and like the hangout versus the actual work of comedy and when right. how they blend together and how one, you know people say it's kind of necessary. You got to be good at the hang and yeah. things like that. But even before that, 20 years of stand-up. Yeah. That's a lot of stand-up. It's a lot. It's a lot of years. Were there, were there times throughout that 20 years where you were extremely confident in your like ability to be successful and then other times where you felt like walking away before or you know was that a 20 years consistent or I know you know once you're in it a few decades sometimes life happens and you gotta like walk yeah. away for a while things right. you know yeah I mean I never really questioned my ability being on stage um I think you know when I had my shortcomings with you know comedy works and the mistakes I made there and then trying to transition over to the Denver Improv, trying to do my thing there, that was probably the biggest transition I'd ever experienced because I'm going from a club that I had started my career with and then transitioning over to a club that's established throughout the United States and trying to figure out how I fit in there. So, um, and then of course, yeah, life does, you know, kind of do its thing and you have to kind of put comedy on the shelf and, you know, 
deal with life because mm-hmm. if you don't, life will deal with you, you know, but, um, you know, you know, the whole 20 years is really, honestly, when I got into comedy, I, I went off the strength of what my friends were saying and what my mom had suggested I should try. You know, I never really tooted my own horn in the sense to where I was this God's gift to comedy. It was one of those things I had to see what everybody else saw from my experiences on stage and then develop my own confidence from that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. Because, I mean, we're all funny in our own right, but now how does that play out on stage? Because, you know, now you've pulled yourself out of a, you know, a social setting and now put yourself on a soapbox to perform for the masses and there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. Either you make them laugh and you, you know, get success or you don't and you go back to the drawing board and try to figure out what you did wrong and how to write the ship. So that's pretty much, you know, how that kind of played itself out. Mm-hmm. So, when was the first time that you started to question, like, the dream of comedy or just like, man, is this realistic to think that all of us are going to be some kind of successful in this business? Or, you know, like, when did that, because, you, you know, everyone has their rookie phase kind of where they're a little more starry eyed about it, a little more, we're all going to make it, it's all hopeful, kind of. Yeah, well, I guess it's kind of, well, I, I'm a, I have a business mind, a business mindset. So once I learned the ropes, I was trying to figure out how to make money. So mm. I always knew that once I got past the phase of, can I do this, that I was going to be successful. I just think it was probably after Chappelle and having done that audience at that level, that many people, that response was where I like, where it was where I was like, yeah. You, know, you got to you got to open for him or see him or or what? I got to open yeah. up for him. After, oh, after cool. Club. Yeah, it was March seventh, two thousand seven. Mm. So that was where I was like, yeah, I got this. And then of course, when I was on standby for Mike Epps, when I'm being asked to be on standby for these, you know, big name comedians, where I was like, all right, not only do I believe in myself, somebody else believes in me enough where I can be on standby. So that was probably the, the, the moment where I was like, yeah, this, this, this has potential to potentially take me out of work and put me on the road. Type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. So was there a moment when that flipped and you were like, oh crap, this, I might not be able to make a whole living off this and like ride, the, you know, ride onto the sunset or is it just kind of like a delayed thing? I think once I went, once I was homeless, that's when I, I was just kind of, it was foggy because I didn't have a foundation. And honestly, when I look back on it now, that's probably when I should have probably jumped in head first and decided that it, now is the time to make it or not. Cause I have nowhere to go. So only where I can go is, you know, forward. So that's probably one of the things that I wish I had taken advantage of is when I was homeless that I could have, how far ago in the 20 years was that in your comedy uh, lifespan? Uh, that was 2012 to 2015. Mm. And interesting that, that when you think of that time, you think I should have gone harder in comedy yeah. instead of I should have pulled back from comedy to kind of find some sort of steadiness. Right. And the reason is, is because, you know, being homeless and then at that time I had tried and wasn't successful in getting custody of my kids. So my world was just turned upside down. So in reality, I wasn't really even thinking about comedy, even though I was still showing up at the mics and I was still doing shows. That really wasn't my thought process. I just wanted to be around people because otherwise I would have just been by myself. And, you know, it's about the community and the the feeling of normal and all that. Mm. Right. So, I mean, honestly, the community helped me, overcome being homeless because I could sleep on a couch here, sleep on a couch there, or, you know, I wasn't necessarily always alone. But at the same time, I had opportunities to go on the road that I turned down because, you know, I had nowhere to come back to. (laughs) So (laughs) like, okay, I'm gonna go on this trip, but then where am I coming back to? So uh, I kind of shot down my own success because of the fact that I was unstable. Mm, Interesting. Well, congratulations on the stability. 
I appreciate it. Yeah. It's been quite the challenge with these, with this pandemic, but I mean, I mm. think everything's going to work itself out. Yeah. It does seem like we're finally getting, getting some progress towards turning the corner as they say. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a whole, we could just talk about how comedy has been affected by Corona and everything. Cause I mean, this, I started this podcast just cause I was questioning my own feelings and stand up. What do I want? Do I, am I really going to let myself be happy or like, can I be happy while still chasing the success that I thought I was chasing and these, these kind of things. Um, and instead of quit, I'm like, you don't, you kind of don't quit comedy at a certain point. You kind of, you can cool it and then it comes back and it's, yeah. it's, and you don't have to quit. You just, you know, it's redefining a relationship. Um, yeah, you take a break. Really. That's all it is. Just a hiatus that, I mean, if you're ever the comedian that says, I'm going to quit doing comedy, people just look at you and laugh and be like, okay, well, we'll see you in six months, maybe five years, but nobody, like you said, really quits comedy. You just right. put it on the side for it. I mean, once you're once you're in, I think some open micers get scared away, and some people for some reasons don't maybe get far enough to get like jumped in to comedy. Right. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, for sure, once you're in, um, yeah. blood in, blood out, <laughs> right? Uh, well, so we talked about the community and community being a force of good, helping us feel normal, helping us get back on our feet, stuff like that, but also the clickiness of the community on the other hand and the kind of the infighting, the, the drama, all that kind of stuff. Um, before your thoughts on it, I, coming from Miami, which had a, a smaller scene at the time and then coming to Denver, what I understood was like clickiness is kind of the result of having a big scene with lots of stuff going on. It's just, there's so many people that naturally some are going to form into groups now, whether they're catty or they're cool or they're nice, or, that's totally different. But, mm -hmm. um, back in Miami, it was like, there wasn't enough. So we all had to kind of cling together on this life raft of comedy. And then mm -hmm. as the scene expanded, so could we, right. Did you notice, cause did you spend most of these 20 years in the Denver scene or did, was yeah. it? Mm -hmm. It was all here in Denver, all here in Colorado. Yeah. So you're like a Denver comedy historian right here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the, uh, the uh, what do you, what's the um, the original Dracula? It's dripping. It's, oh, the Nosferatu. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, because when I started, there was no click. It was just the, the professionals and us new guys. Mm. So um, what we see of late is what's developed over, I want to say, maybe the last 10, 12 years or so. So, but has really defined in terms of the clickness maybe over the last five or six years, I would say, where it's interesting the different pods of people, if you will. And it was, yeah. was it like mostly because expansion or do you think other yeah. things, it just Denver was popping off, everyone's moving here for all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Cause you know, you got comedians that have the same interests, interests and then a guy comes from say Ohio that was the big fish in a small pond now comes over here, links up with these people who have the same interests, and he's now the anchor of this group. Hmm. So you see a lot of that. Um, and then I think a lot of times people just felt isolated or weren't included in other um, scenes, so they created their own, so they could create their own spinoff of shows and so on and so forth. So hmm. because I was never brought into the clickiness. I never adopted that mindset if that makes sense i just felt like i could just, i'm like the bee that pollinates all these flowers you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying i'm just going around and just i'm just you know i was i'm just cool with everybody so to speak and i don't care to be in one defined group i just i like just being social yes but probably the best way to put to describe yeah. i am i just kind of fit in where i get in where i fit for in. sure do you find it easier hard to hang or has that changed at all throughout your career? It's harder now because I have different interests. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not inclined to stay up to one, two in the morning. You know, I'm, I'm more of a get in and get out. Whereas before it was, yeah, it was all about community and hanging out and 
you know, smoking or whatever, having a drink, whatever the case may be, and just enjoying mm-hmm. that time with those people. But now, I mean, I'm older now. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm in my forties, you know what I'm saying? So those, some things just don't interest me anymore. So it just probably why I haven't gone to a lot of open mics because I really don't want to wait till, you know, 12, one to go up and do five minutes. You know what I mean? Like it gets harder to do that. Right. It's, you know, and especially if you get there first and I know how the game works I and mean, we've all done it. I mean, we've all had mics and we've all, try to structure a show so that, you know, we can kind of, you know, mix it to where you got strong comedians here and strong comedians at the end and, you know, try to, you know what you're doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just, and I think there's camaraderie too with those people though, as you get older and, yeah. and less interested, there's other comics who are also going through that and you just have like a really good 15 minute conversation in the parking lot instead of just like hanging out for three hours. <laughs> like, right, 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 right. Yeah, just real quick to say, you know, or just, you know, or you gravitate more to the people that, you know, that you identify with. But yeah. So let's, let's get into some meat about walking away from stand up, taking a break from it pre corona times. Um, you said a lot of that had to do with just like all that uneasiness, that clickiness. The thing that brought it to the head was the saga of the Emily's, the Emily battles. Yeah. Well, what do you think is for people listening who are unaware of this explosive time in the, uh, the Denver scene, how would you like shortly describe it to them so that they can understand what we're talking about? Honestly, I don't even know how that thing started. I just knew that, the Emily's were on one side and everybody else was on the other. That's how uninvolved I was. Do you know what I mean? So um, I, I guess it was just a disagreement that blew. Actually, I want to say it was about male comedians, white male comedians getting a bulk of the shows and patriarchy. I don't know. There was so much going on. I was just there like, was, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, literally tuned out you know because it was just like uh how long do you think that went on it it seemed to last at least a year right like a year yeah it it got to the point where it was uncomfortable being anywhere where anybody brought that thing up brought that that topic up it was just you know you overhear a conversation of you know three or four comedians are talking about it and then over here is another group and then it just yeah, it just it turned me off to the point to where I just started to withdraw. And um, I guess what I would say to the to to the new comedians listening is just at some point you have to realize what you're there for. And if you're there for the drama, then you won't be a comedian for long. If you're there for comedy, then the sky's the limit. Um, but really, just to find what your reasons for being in that scene are for and do what you can to, 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 to stick to it because you can easily be, you know, persuaded otherwise. And it's, it's, it's just, it's not healthy, especially if you haven't established yourself, you know, if you're somebody that likes drama and likes to chime in, you're probably, you know, limiting the opportunities you have for yourself because you're not in it for the right reasons. I think, my whole thought process was coming in as I'm here to do stand-up comedy. I've never gotten a comedy to make friends. I kind of look at comedy like going to school to get education. Yeah, you're going to meet friends, you're going to make friends, but at the end of the day, you're there to learn. And I came into comedy to make people laugh, not fight about white males getting this treatment and females not getting that. You know what I mean? Like, it's important, yes, but I think there's a time and place to deal with all those things without it affecting your comedy. Mm. Sure, sure. Yeah, not everyone uh, involved in a trade needs to be concerned in like the way that trade is going and like the mechanics and the inner workings. And some people are focused a little too much on that at the wrong yeah. times. Um, yeah. It is It's interesting, just, yeah, it, definitely started to seem it started as a uh, 
making sure women get booked just as you know much as men kind of thing which is you know all great intention and comedy has been trending towards equal and more diverse and it's already you know headed that way and then somehow yeah. it kind of bled into the me too movement it met into yep. bled into power and control and patriarchy and yeah just for the the viewers i i'm open to interviewing either of the emilies or that that party as well um yeah, definitely just to kind of like because it was such a fascinating time it was it was almost like in the trumpian way that like facebook was just like pure fighting like all these threads emerged with like 300 comments and that and you know we people were dunking on people people were trying in earnest to, to appeal to people's better angels and yeah it was mm -hmm. it was a war of ideas and it definitely it definitely had an effect on the denver scene in a large way and a lot of different scenes were going through their own things other scenes were going through like rape scares and like things that were worse than like that were physically like crime yeah. um so in one way i was happy that denver was like fighting a battle of ideas over here and talking yeah. about good things talking about equality you know you know right. it got it got real messy along the way yeah. obviously people quit people stopped being friends um yep. and as you said you it made you feel so distaste or uncomfortable or negative towards comedy that you just cooled it for a while or yeah. how, how was that it sucks because I really enjoyed going out and performing but my 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 mental health was way more important than fighting through that to get my you know five minutes of stage time you know what I mean it was it was more about protecting my energy because I've been doing a lot of work to, you know, better myself for my kids and for my community that I knew that if I engaged in that type of behavior that I'd be undoing all the stuff that I had done to get to where I was at that point mm -hmm. to be able to walk away. So yeah, that was more important to me. My mental health was far more important than the actual stage time. And how long did that last? Oh, it, it pretty much it's pretty much today why I haven't been on stage in a while because I allowed that to determine whether or not I wanted to get back in the scene or not. And so because I took that hiatus, how do you come back? You know what I mean? So and I've been fortunate enough to where I have been able to do shows here and there, but how do you come back? You know what I mean? Like I feel like a complete stranger in a scene that I helped build. Um, and that's because we have so many new people. Uh, there's so many new comedians and I don't know who they are. So it just, I feel like a stranger in the community I've built. I helped build, I should say. Mm -hmm. I um, felt that in Miami towards the end of my time there. It's interesting that that's just kind of part of the life cycle of comedy in a way. Right, it is. And it really just shows that we have to be resilient and be able to know our own worth to be able to pick up where we left off, so to speak. So. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I was looking forward. To, I was actually gonna make my way back into the scene last spring, but then the pandemic hit. So it was just kind of uh -huh. like, yeah, I'm gonna be, you know, off stage indefinitely into the foreseeable future. So, or should I say, unforeseeable future? So, you know, it it's just it's just one of those things where we're kind of in a dead space and not really knowing what to do next or how to proceed. However, I'm am, I am seeing comedians on state on, on on social media who are still out doing shows and are you know being booked on the road and so on and so forth. So I know there's hope, but it's just you know mm -hmm. how do I get myself in that position again? So and I and I honestly do enjoy doing open mics. That's what sharpens our our blades. You know what I mean? That's what gives us the opportunity to feel confident about one joke versus the other. Whereas, you know, when I started, there wasn't that many open mics. So the, the mic that we tried all our good stuff at was Comedy Works. And if it worked, great. But that audience versus an audience at a bar is night and day. So you may not get the same response. And you may get a false sense of hope about a joke that really isn't that good because you're telling it in a bar where people are more interested in how many olives they have in their dirty martini than the joke <laughs> is told about 
driving for Lyft, you know? So, um, yeah, it's like, how do I get back into a scene that is, you know, in the shape that it is because of the virus, so. Yeah, that's, that's one thing everyone can relate to. It's kind of an equalizer. Um, and I wonder how many people are in similar situations where either they were taking a break and they wanted to get back into it and now they can't, and now maybe they won't get back into it, some will, or yeah. just uh, the people who wanted to start doing comedy and now yeah. they just kind of can't. And I mean, do you, do you think that um, these socially distanced shows and everything are fine? Or do you think, because uh, I, know, I know some comedians on all sides of the spectrum, some who say that's immoral to be out doing comedy right now, and some that are just like, do it outside, no problem, wear a mask, yada, yada. Yeah. How do I think about it? Well, I mean, yeah, where, where do you fall? I mean, I'm right there in the middle. You know, I could take it or leave it. Uh, I just, yeah, there's part of me that thinks, why would we be doing comedy in a time like this? Like, yeah, people do need to laugh, but we also have to feel like we're going to be safe while delivering those jokes to get people to laugh. So I'm kind of, I'm just right there in the, in the middle. I mean, I'm, I've done some shows that were socially distant. I did a, I did a show at a nudist. Um, During COVID? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> where I'm butt naked and a mask. No, I didn't have a mask. <laughs> <laughs> I did have my shoes on. But um, no, it's, I mean, part of me thinks it's irresponsible. And part of me thinks it's, you know, it's what we signed up for when we decided to be a comedian. So, I mean, I guess as long as the venue is, doing what they can to ensure that everybody's safe. I'm on, I'm on board, but I mm -hmm. mean, but then yeah. it goes to what audience, I mean, now we need an audience and what audience feels safe enough to go to a show like that. So, I mean, outdoors, yeah, but it's getting cold out there. So yeah. am I going to be shivering while I'm trying to deliver a punchline? I mean, mm -hmm. how many times can I do that and be effective before, you know, goes go south i mean it's there's so much yeah have you done any any of these zoom shows you tried to get in on any of that and and, I what, do, done that yet. and what do you think about like doing stand-up on zoom is it worth it is it does it translate are you interested in trying it or just pass i would love to try it just to just to see if i could you know get away with it you know or not get away mm -hmm. with it just to, see, just to see how i would i think get away with is the right term yeah. with, with what stand-ups are doing on zoom right now it's right I, mean, I haven't even seen any so i can only imagine what you know what's going on but yeah i'd be interested to do it just to say i did it you know and and just kind of from that period or from that point figure out if it's something i'd want to continue or if i'd you know do away with it all together but yeah I'd, I'd be interested in doing something like that mm. that, would, that would be cool okay well they're out there i'm sure but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like not running myself to do them either I, I i got booked for a zoom show and i prepared all this stuff and then it got canceled of course so i like i get half credit on that one but oh no i'm not uh it's just so much translation that has to happen that it's not that i don't want to do the work it's just that i've seen a lot of you just kind of have to get used to blogging. It's like vlogging or something because you've got no response. People yeah. are, some people are really trying to like keep, you've, you know, all the late night show hosts have had to do their weird adjustments without yep. audiences. And it's taken them, taken them like half a year to find their legs on it. Yep. Um, well, let's move on. Um, so a little more about comedy and what do you think you would be doing if you never got into comedy? How would it have changed you? What do you think you might have done instead? It's a weird hypothetical. Yeah, well, because I was already, I was in sales. I, I, was, I was doing door-to-door -door sales when I first started doing stand-up. What were you selling? I was selling oil change packages, door-to-door. -door. Uh oh. Six-pack oil change for $69.95. We balance and rotate your tires, top off all your fluids for $11 and 66 cents. Um, yeah, huh. I used to do that door to door. So I probably would have continued on that path. Who knows? I mean, cause I started 2000, December of 2000. So. So, so you think my yeah, sales business, any of that yeah, kind definitely. of stuff? 
I probably would be in a lot better place financially. Um, but then I also would never have met the, the children of my mother, uh, the, the mother of my children. So it would have definitely just, it would have been a different look um, had I never did stand up comedy. Who knows? Man? That's, a, that's a good question. I'm, I'm going to chew on that for hours to come. <laughs> like, do you ever have the feeling where it's like, can I even call myself a comedian? Like, if you were a plumber for 10 years and you stopped being a plumber for a year, you're still a plumber. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, it is weird I mean, because I, I drive for Lyft and, you know, I tell people I'm a stand-up comedian and I question myself, like, am I? <laughs> how how um, readily do you volunteer that information to people? Immediately, because they're like, is this all you do for a living? I'm like, no, my business got shut down because of COVID. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just <laughs> like, you know, I do stand-up comedy and I'm, and I'm a karaoke host. So it's like, I'm, I'm more inclined to be like, yeah, this is who I am. And, you know, I'm dealing with the fact that all this is preventing me doing what my true calling is so hmm. um, how often did the people say hey tell me a joke then it doesn't happen anymore it did i've been driving for them for a little almost almost four and a half years it doesn't happen anymore every once in a while maybe one in a hundred rides or so <laughs> and then when that happens i tell them look you know i'm driving you know i'm not thinking <laughs> about jokes right now uh, or I'll throw out, you know, last time I told somebody a joke, I got bad rating because I said a joke that they didn't like, you know, uh, you can't judge. I mean, you got two people in the back seat. One of them, if one's laughing and the other one isn't, let's hope the one that isn't laughing isn't the one that is booked the... it out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> isn't the star pusher, you know what I'm saying? So, uh... um, and, you know, because comedy is subjective, so you never know. I mean, that joke that just gave you a standing ovation now is getting you deactivated from the from the platform so <laughs> right um context audience right so it's yeah i've been fortunate enough to where and i say it fast enough to where they don't i don't give them a chance to say hey tell me a joke mm. um, i'm like yeah i do stand-up comedy and i'm a karaoke host you know it's, it's automatically quick spirit right because that is that's one of my ultimate pet peeves it's like tell me a joke, you know, and everyone, every comic has to go through it, every, you know, and sometimes you got one in your pocket. It's a, it's just easier to be like, come on, dude. I'm, right. I ain't at work now, but, you uh, I, you know what I do tell them? I say, you know, I get paid to do stand up comedy and mm -hmm. I just let the silence linger. And then they're just like, Oh yeah. So if you want to Venmo me, I'll take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you my, my YouTube link. So what should, non-comedians know about comedy and stand-up that they don't just because you're funny around your friends doesn't mean you're going to be funny on stage um it doesn't translate the same and i think the average person that hears a joke thinks it's okay to just you know blab, blab it out at any moment and kind of take credit for it because i've found that a lot of people that have never done stand-up comedy We'll get in the car and they say, "Oh, I heard this joke. You should you should use it on stage." And I don't think they really understand what goes into being a stand-up comedian, and it isn't stealing somebody else's material and using it yourself. Um, it's crazy how a lot of people still think that is an actual thing you can do. Right, right. I think that to explain to a person that's never done stand-up comedy what it is, I think you have to explain to them all the hard work that actually goes into that has nothing to do with being on stage. It has a lot to just being comfortable in your own skin, waiting to get on stage mm. and dealing with the fact that, yeah, you did show up first and you will probably go up last. Um, and being able to do that day in and day out, which I'd say night in and night out without any type of resentment or anger toward the people that have put you in that place and not on purpose per se, or not intentionally, but that's just the way it ball bounces. And we all have dealt with it. There's not a person that I know that has showed up to a mic and has been able to go up right away. Um, yeah, you gotta earn that. Yeah, you gotta earn that. And there will be a lot of resentment toward that person anyway. So if it does happen, it typically happens on the road when you you know, establish a connection with the person that's running the show and they understand why you're here and 
they want to do what they can to accommodate you in the in the sense that you're going to do the same for them should they come to your city right so um that's yeah that's what i would say i would just say that it's as glorious as it looks on stage there's a lot that goes into that and a lot of that is behind the scenes so how do you think denver's comedy scene is unique compared to others well what i've noticed about denver comedy scene is that a lot of people are moving here um and these are people who are doing well in their respective states and i think what colorado has to offer i don't know that you can get anywhere else and i just think here i think if you know what you're doing people are more inclined to help further your career whereas if you're somebody that doesn't seem they seem like they know what they're doing that uh they kind of I won't say that they push you away, but they're not doing anything to help further uh, that person's career. It's, they're more geared toward the people that are get what's going on and are doing it to help push them versus trying to help develop somebody that might have an idea of what they're doing and may have potential. I think they're more going after the one that seems to have more polish, if mm. that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so like what kept you from, everyone says you got to go New York or LA, New York or LA. What kept you from doing that, buying into that mentality? For one, I have kids. Um, that definitely prevented me because I wanted to go to New York. I wanted to go to New York because there's more shows. So you get better faster. And I understand that when you go to LA, that's more television. Hmm. Um, and I wanted to make sure that I was the best that I possibly could be. So I wanted to go to New York. But having the kids, you know, that, you know, took priority and I still want to do that, but it's just going to be, you know, my son will be 18 in five years and my daughter will be 18 and seven. So roughly about seven years. You buying your ticket then? Yeah. You know, mm. put it on, I'm going to get some miles and uh, I'm going to make it happen. And I would like to go out there for, you know, three months to a year. And just kind of see what happens not necessarily move but like just do some time yeah. there yeah but you know be free to do that without you know my responsibility taking precedent yeah so, yeah i've known a few comics who yeah i had a good friend oni who did that years ago and yeah his kid's all grown now and goes wherever the hell he wants <laughs> i mean you can, if you can make a name for yourself in new york you can make a name for yourself anywhere just a few more questions here uh, appreciate your time. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. you said about like changing from comedy works, and you're checking out um, the improv now. We have a. Yeah, this was back. This was back in 2008. Okay, yeah, yeah, a while ago. Yeah. It was yeah. was it kind of a falling out or? Yeah. Just I, the kind of priority. I had, I had done something that just wasn't looked upon. You know, in a in a in a in a good light, so to speak. I I sold free tickets. <laughs> I sold free tickets to Comedy Works, and I sold these tickets for the purpose of giving value to a free ticket. I, I, I mean, I'm in sales, so I had this free ticket, and you I was giving help away. yourself. <laughs> well, you know, I was I'm a salesman, away, <laughs> yeah. and people weren't. I didn't think people were using. Them. I don't know. I don't work there, but. I think once I attached a dollar amount, I, I sold them for a dollar a piece. People had, they saw value and I didn't do it blindly. I actually sent the owner a couple emails stating this is what my intentions were. I never got any response and that should have been enough to not go forward. But I wanted to, you know, show some initiative and show that what I could do and it backfired. Mm. And because of that, um, I went over to the new club and I think me going over to the new club really cemented my opportunity at that time to perform at Comedy Works. Um, I've since, you know, mended those broken fences and- You mean, have, you mean going over to the improv cemented them not going up at Comedy Works? Correct. And gotcha. then roughly, I want to say three years ago, um, I was able to mend those broken fences and I was oh, able cool. to restore my opportunities to perform there. But now, I went from almost famous being on the list to now I'm at four minutes. Mm. So 
it's an ego. You have to you know, start up, start over. And so, and honestly, when I've done the things that I've done leading up to my departure, I felt like I should have been able to pick up where I left off and I didn't. And I honestly didn't sit down and have that discussion to make that a reality. I kind of expected it to be in, you know, when you do things like that, you're going to get the lesser of the, of the end and mm. where I ended up. So, but I mean, fortunately I was able to, to mend those fences and was able to, you know, resume my career there. But, you know, I think at some time I'm going to have to probably sit down and have a talk with the owner and see if I can do something to prove that I deserve what I'm asking for. And as long as I can do that, then hopefully the opportunity will present itself for me to, get back to where I was so because I mean I was this close to be on the list yeah it's interesting man the list is a huge thing here and uh one of the things I marveled at when I moved here because the Miami improv and the improvs in South Florida they do not take an interest in farming the community in the way that comedy works does which I think most clubs probably didn't take the amount of time to like you know, do what they've done with all their contests and, and advice yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, but people get obsessed over the list. I, uh, you know, you climb up from, what is it, C to B to A to almost famous to hosting sometimes to did, and there's this beautiful pathway, but the, the, the scene is filled with people who feel like they've not gotten a fair shake they not gotten what they deserve, that they should have been on the list years ago. They've been chronically ignored and overlooked. Yep. Is that just like, one, how do you deal with that? And two, is that just the price of having nice goals is that you're going to have a ton of people not getting them for any number of reasons and you kind of right. never really know why you don't get it. Right. You have all these reasons in your head, like I said this one thing to this one guy, and he probably remembers it. And that's not, right. no, they don't even, they forgot it instantly, you know. Right, right. Like, and, and that's the thing, is it's, it's a status symbol. Because I mean, once you say you're on the list at Comedy Works, you could take that anywhere. Mm. I mean, you can go anywhere because it's a, a top five club in the country. So I think we all want that, that title because we know what it's going to do for our career so but now the question is can you still achieve the things you want to without that um and what's the answer i think so i think in today's in today's world um i mean with social media you got youtube and there's other video um streaming services i mean if you get that one hit that could be all you need. And next thing you know, you're going to Comedy Works and they're paying you top dollar to be on a stage that you otherwise were trying to make your way up the ranks. Mm. So I honestly do believe, but I mean, there has to be a work ethic. There has to be a, a, a vision. And there has to be a drive. I mean, you have to believe it's possible and then you have to see it and then you have to go after it. So I just think, you know, of course the pandemic has kind of put everybody on the shelf um so now it's just like how do you resubmit yourself into the scene and how do you do so in a way that you get seen and you get to, get to earn from it so yeah those are a whole lot of questions i just i'm trying to figure out the answers to. yeah and it's well put and i don't think you're gonna be able i don't think anyone's gonna be able to figure out a lot of these answers until this corona either we get the vaccine or it blows over or we got to wait till june of next year for this thing to work through because we're all a bunch of idiots and don't, <laughs> don't yeah. do what we're supposed to do uh and we just need to understand it more you know but but well, yeah you know so i would say remove some of that burden off of your shoulders of like how am i gonna come back amidst the corona panic because like literally every comedians who've never questioned being in comedy once are you know they're bouncing off the walls i think feel yeah. like people who have dealt with like walking away and coming back are handling this a lot better probably definitely definitely yeah i mean this is so uncertain we don't know what what's gonna happen. i mean they're talking about shutting the country down again for a, a, what six weeks four to six I, weeks something like that um i mean and then when they do come up with the vaccine i mean yeah i mean i'd be 
I'd entertain it, but I mean, I'd, I'd want to see something that was put together in what, nine months, uh, you know, a year in the event. No, oh, hasn't it been like the last three, four months or something like yeah. that? that Pfizer way went in way faster than normal. Yeah. I, I'd, I wouldn't mind watching a few people in front of me take it first. Oh, <laughs> before. Hell yeah. You know, it's like the PS5. People are buying it now and they're like, it sets on fire and stuff. It's like, I'll wait till they yeah. work those bugs out, you know? Right. I'll get second generation. There it is. And, you know, and then somebody's going to sell the first generation probably at a pawn shop. I'll get the first generation for 150 bucks. You know? like, <laughs> right. But yeah, like, I'm in no hurry to get it now. Yeah. Let's wait. Let's work out the, the, the bugs that fix all that stuff. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm in no hurry to do anything other than see how this thing plays out. Mm. And when you come back, do you think everyone is going to be avoiding Corona jokes or they have to talk about it because it's literally what's happening or is it just, it's going to be like all over the, I guess, I'm, I'm sure it'll be all over the place, but where will you fall on that? That's a better question. I mean, I'm going to have to tell what, how the joke i'm gonna have to tell a joke that describes how it affected me personally because that's what you know that's all comedy is you're just basically going off your own experiences it's kind of like with the r kelly stuff i remember when i first came out my r kelly joke there was three or four other comedians that had really funny r kelly jokes and my joke came out destroyed all those other jokes and now they're like well, i'll cancel my joke i think that's what's going to happen it's going to be a process of elimination whoever mm. has the best corona joke they're going to let that comedian have that and then we're going to have to figure it out for ourselves on the next thing <laughs> that we can beat into the ground. Um, yeah, survival then, of the fittest. <laughs> right. I mean, for me, Corona has been nothing but good. So I can't complain other than the fact that, yes, I'm not able to do what I've done for three, four years now you know, to help me financially. That's the only thing I do miss about it. But other than that, I've been able to meditate daily. I've been able to adopt new habits that I'm going to take with me for the rest of my life. And I'm grateful for this downtime because it's got me more in touch with who I am and how I can better fit in this world full of chaos. So I'm grateful for what has happened. Um, and I see that I see the good in it. I'm not happy that this is what it took to be where I'm at. I'm glad that it did. And I recognized that and was able to make the best. Mm -hmm. So that's what I can take from the coronavirus. I was able to pay off all my child support. Um, I was able to spend more time with my kids. I mean, there's a lot of things that I can be grateful for that Corona provided. So. That's a silver lining. That's a few silver linings. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it is weird. Everyone, you know, a lot of people in their lives just say, can I just have a minute to breathe? Can I just have some time? And like, sadly, it was a global pandemic that that's what it took. But a lot of us are getting that and it's showing cracks in the system and we're getting time to look at stuff maybe we were ignoring when all this all the new stuff's constantly coming in and now we got just like look yep. around you know um well, we got UFOs. <laughs> i mean we found yeah they out. admitted all that right <laughs> <laughs> now no one cares about it because right. we're all trying to like not die <laughs> right right oh, well okay i knew this all along what the hell's going on with the virus <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. Well, finally, well, any general feelings about the state of comedy as it is stand-up, where it's headed? You feel bright about the future stand-up comedy, the, the new crops you see coming up? I like what we're seeing in terms of Zoom shows. So it's good to see that there are people out there that still want to laugh and are looking for avenues and venues that provide that. Um, it's nice to see what you can do when you don't have an audience or when you can't perform in a building that, you know, once filled, you know, X amount of patrons to watch a show. Um, I like where it's going. Um, but yeah, I do would like, I would definitely like to see it get back to where it was. Um, where you go into a venue, you get your two drink minimum and you enjoy a show, you know. You know, I'm just interested to see exactly what form comedy does take on, you know, um, because even after this pandemic is over, are people ever going to feel safe again? I mean, with or without a vaccine, you know, because now the fear is after that happens, what happens next? 
You know what I mean? I think we're always going to be waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm. Uh, this kind of came out of the blue. This was something that none of us foresaw. And here we are staring down the barrel of uncertainty. So I'm just kind of just waiting patiently to see how this thing evolves, honestly. I would definitely like to see it get back to where it was, but want to see what other forms it can take and can those other forms be as successful. So right on. And how can I enhance that? You know, is there something that I can do that hasn't been done or do something better than somebody else has tried or follow in the footsteps of what somebody else has done and still be successful? I mean that that's what I'm kind of interested to see play out. Just how exactly we all fit in this new platform of comedies. How how do we how do we thrive in this current environment and mm. still be relevant? That is the question. Nice. Well, fantastic. We'll we'll leave it on that uh, that final question, that final musing and uh, <laughs> thought for yeah for these crazy times. Um, anything you want to promote? Point people towards. Um, no, I mean, yeah, no. I, I, <laughs> you say you got the YouTube, YouTube, yeah, Dick, Dick Black on YouTube. Be careful how you type that, but yeah. Yes, and if you do Google, make sure you throw a comedian. <laughs> well, cool. Final thoughts to the world. Do your best to take care of mental health. Um, go for a walk. Do exercise. Figure out how to get yourself in a place to meditate and do something nice for people because in this day and age, every little bit of kindness goes a long way. Um, as much as we would like to see other people smile, smile with your eyes because we sure as heck can't show our face. Um, and just try to be the light in somebody's dark hallway. You know, just I drive Lyft and my goal really is every time a pastor gets in my car, I want them to leave better, a better person than they were when they came in my car. So um, just be the light that the world needs um, and try your best to just take care of that mental health. That's first and foremost. Um, the more in tune you are with you, the more in tune you are with the world, the more the world's gonna give you what you're asking. Love it. Wise um, words indeed. And enjoy these holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Right? They're going to be some interesting holidays. More, more important than ever, shall I say. All those, all those Christmas stories where it's hard times and the holidays come together. Yep. That's what yep. it's about. All right. Create, create new memories that are going to last, you know. And just be good to people. And karma has no expiration date, so just be good. all right well cool man thanks again for doing this much love dick appreciate you yeah yeah definitely uh be well later everybody stay safe and cut (laughs) done